0: Back in September, which was just, you know, a month and a half ago, whatever, we started a new focus for the year that's called Onward, 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 that we would be moving forward together, forgetting the past and looking toward what God has for us next, wherever Jesus is leading us, one step at a time, that we'd step into the practices of Jesus. Not just learn about what Jesus said, but actually do what Jesus did. And we started the fall talking about prayer. We just finished the series last week. Looking at the Lord's Prayer, that we might grow in our understanding, but but also our practice of prayer. And this was our first practice. Well, today we're moving onward again to our second practice of Jesus, and that is worship. Worship. That we would live greater lives of worship to god and listen as a musician and as a former worship pastor i love worship music i love it i listen to it all the time i love it during the service i love it at home i love it when i'm studying i love it when i'm playing drums or guitar or leading from the seats with y'all i just love I love it all. I remember actually when, I w- when this love for worship music first captured me. I was like 18 years old. I was a mess finishing up high school and, uh, and I went to a campus ministry at the local university for one of their Thursday night services. And I don't know if you've ever been to like uh, like a campus ministry worship night, but it totally blew my mind. I was exposed to something I'd never seen before. I walk in to this lecture hall at a liberal arts university. And there's like 300 plus students in this pit classroom, everyone with their arms raised to the Lord, singing from the top of their lungs, lifting up a shout of praise, singing, did you feel the mountains tremble? This is 1999. And I walk in there having been in church my whole life, having never known a life without Jesus, and I walk in there and I experience something completely new. And I couldn't help but sing, I couldn't not sing. I couldn't not lift my hands with the, with the masses to the Lord. It was just this moment that I can't even describe. It just came over me and it totally transformed my understanding of what worship was. It set a new stage for what worship is. But, but what is worship? Have you ever thought about it? I mean. I know, of course, you'd say, of course, yeah, I know, yeah, worship, of course I know what worship is. But, but, but for me, growing up in the church, again, and after experiencing that epic moment on campus, worship for me was essentially summed up to be music. It was the music I liked that gave me this emotional response to connect with God. It was the part of church that most either love or they hate. They show up early for or they arrive late to, depending on who's singing. What songs are going, what style, preferences, all those different things. It's worship. The element in liturgy of the service that bookends the message, where everyone stands up. And I just want you to think about this. This is like the only time outside of a football game where everyone stands up and looks the same way and starts singing, okay? I can't imagine another time in your life where everyone just stands up in the middle of a room and starts to sing. Maybe the Thomases, you've got a different world that you live in, but... Worship, it's amazing grace. It's how great thou art. It's how great is our God. It's yes and amen and our reason to praise. That's worship, right? Yes. Absolutely, that's worship. But worship is also, I just need you to know, it's so much more. And if you're taking notes, uh, which I always recommend, write this down because this really is the thrust of what we'll be processing and talking about for the next four weeks. That while music at church is worship, yes and amen. Worship can't be defined by a single activity. A single sacred moment, and that's because worship is, according to the scriptures, worship is the consecration of every activity. It's not one single sacred activity, it's the consecration of every activity. Worship is seeing every action as sacred and committed to God and his better way and his good work. Worship is laying all we are, all we are down on the altar before God and saying, Father, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Father, take my life and let it be an offering to you. And that's what we just heard in our opening scripture from Romans 12 and Ephesians 2. I want to read it one more time to really let it sink in for you today. It says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you from the inside out into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And this is the end. Remember, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. He planned us, planned for us long ago. This is truly the way to worship him. Scripture says, take all of me, take all I have, every part of me, and use it as a living sacrifice for your glory, God. Take my life and let it be consecrated. This is worship. And so yes, while While we do this at church, we worship God. When we sing, we lay our hearts down and we lay our minds down before God on the altar through song. The reality is we also worship God anytime we choose. We choose to bow low so he might be lifted high. We worship God anytime we lay down low that we bow our lives down before God so he might be lifted high. We worship God whenever we choose to surrender our own hopes, our own dreams, our own fears and failures, our own preferences and prejudice, our idols, and our influence. Anytime we choose to lay everything down and say, not my will, but yours be done. We worship anytime we step into the better reflection of God, living for his glory, and this is it. Worship isn't a style of music. It's not what you listen to on K-Love. It's not the music part of the service. Good worship, Becca. Worship isn't a song. Worship is a life filled with songs. It's a life filled with songs and obedience and faithfulness laid down before God, our good Father in heaven, so the world might know what he is really like. And this is what we're going to be talking about for the next month, a holistic life of worship in a series that we want to call altars. Altars, a life of worship. And in this series, altars, which simply means a place of sacrifice, if you look in the scriptures, the altar is the place you bring your sacrifice. We'll be taking a closer look at four key areas or altars in which God wants our praise and worship to be surrendered. And there's probably a thousand different things that we should be laying down before God today. But there are four, I think, that really encapsulate what I believe to be most pressing in our cultural moment. And those are that we would worship God through our words, through our time, with our possessions, and in our work that we would worship God in our words, time, possessions, and work. Four things that we can use to either make our name great for our fame and our reputation or to lift high the name of Jesus for his glory. Words, time, possessions, work. And it's work that we'll be starting on today. For what it looks like to worship God by laying our work down on the altar before him. So if you have your Bibles, follow me quickly to Colossians chapter 3. And listen, when I moved here, and we've talked about this a little bit, we moved from the Midwest, which has a work ethic for sure, but when we moved here, I realized that there was no 40-hour work week here in Southern California. It's more like 65 plus. It's not a 9 to 5, it's like a 7 to 6.30, And so when we talk about work and consecrating our work before God, I just really need you to understand that this matters to us in Southern California because because work is such a huge part of what we do. And we're going to be looking at a pretty significant story arc in Scripture to help us form a theological, I would say, philosophy, but also a theological practice for how we should work. But in the end, it really all comes down to this passage in in, uh, Colossians chapter 3. And so I just want to read that for you right now. It says, let the message about Christ teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And here we go. And whatever you do, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. One more time, verse 17. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father whatever you do your work do it on behalf of Jesus this is the philo- the philosophy based on the scriptures for how we should work whatever you do do it on behalf of Jesus so the world might see the father through your effort this is truly the way to worship him whatever you do think about that for a second what do you do? When we say whatever, whatever you do, ask yourself, what do you do? Look at your calendar and your bank statement, right? That'll typically tell you what you do. You wake up, whether you're employed or retired, you do work. It might look like school for some. It might look like making cappuccinos for some. It might look like baking cakes for some. It might look like changing diapers or writing sermons or writing books or songs or screenplays you might clean houses you might clean cars you might count money you might invest money you might spend money what a job that might be we all do things with our life we all burn calories doing something every single day so what do you do it think about it imagine your Thursday at like 10.30am where are you Imagine your Monday morning, where are you? Imagine Sunday at 10.55 a.m., that's right now. What do you do? What do you do? Well, here's Paul in Colossians essentially saying that whatever you do, I want to make sure you understand this, whatever you do matters. Whatever you do matters. Whatever you do matters. Hmm. And it's because whatever you do can be worship to God. Whatever you do, as long as the realities of God are revealed in the process, as long as folks can see what God is like in the midst of what you are doing, his heart in your actions, his will in your choices, his kindness in your compassion, and plan in your production, this is worship through work. It's the surrender of self-achievement and the consecration of daily decisions for the sake of his kingdom's advancement. And while there are very few actions that cannot be consecrated to God, there are some. Whatever you do Colossians 3, what I need you to know is that worship isn't only about the action, either it's also about the intention. And let me quickly clarify what I mean by that. When you worship God with your work, you are committing to do whatever you do, not only to who God is, but also how God is doing it. Even though God cares about feeding the poor, it's not worship to God when you feed hungry people so the world notices how great you are. And even though God cares about justice, it's not worship to God if you go fight for racial equality for the reputation of another organization that completely bypasses Jesus and undermines his kingdom values. It's not just what you do, it's how you do it and why you do it. It's not the action. It also is the intention. It's the output and the effort. It's not doing the things God cares about on your own. No, it's consecrating whatever you do, Colossians 3, whatever you do, your work to participate in the projects that God is already working on. It's not about doing it on your own. It's taking what you do and committing it to the work that God is already doing around you. This is the life of worship. Committing what you do to what God is already working on so he might be revealed along the way through your effort. Now, okay, bringing it back to earth. What, what then is God working on that He wants us to commit our lives to? I'm so glad you asked. To find that, we have to go back to the beginning of the scripture. And, uh, and in the beginning, there was really nothing but God. And into the void, God spoke, and He worked. This is what God does He works. And he worked to bring order to the unknown, and this order was called creation. And everything that he did was a reflection of who he was. Everything he did was a reflection of who he was. So God worked. God made oceans and the earth and stars. God created gravity and chemistry. He poured uh, rivers and, and made hills, foothills, just like where we live. Plants and animals, insects. God formed the circle of life and it moves us all. You know what I'm saying? God did everything, and all of which revealed his character, his power, his order, his goodness to the observing world. It was all for his glory that he made the world, and it was all for his reputation. Well, then God made people in his image as his glory. He made us to go and do what he did, but but to do it like he did it. To not just do what he did, but do it like he did. And we see this verse in Genesis chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. It says this in verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So, okay, what was their work? It was to be like God and to do what God does. Not to be God, but to be like God and to do what God did, to reign over creation on God's behalf, to fill the earth and govern it as God's representatives just like he would This is the work of worship to carry God's rule and his reign, bringing kingdom culture and building kingdom colonies in the wild of creation through whatever you do. That's it. This is a life of worship through work. And this theme, we see it, this this arc, it carries us from beginning to end of our scriptures. We see it all throughout, God's people working on God's behalf so his reign and rule might expand, so his glory might be revealed. And it's amazing, the stories we see in scripture. But we also see what happens time and time again when God's people forget who they are. When they forget and they work without God in mind, when they act without the intention of God being known in what they do. From the fall in the Garden of Eden to Cain and Abel to Noah and the flood to Abraham sleeping with his servant to the Tower of Babel to Isaac stealing Esau's blessing to the sons of Israel selling Joseph into slavery. Israel working as Egyptian slaves to build a foreign empire. Israel, the nation wanting their own king to be powerful and important in the world's eyes. King Saul compromising his faith for personal glory. David abandoning his integrity by taking Bathsheba, then killing her husband. I mean, come on, right? In whatever you do, God's people have a gift for doing it wrong, We have had a a history and such a talent for doing whatever we want on our own behalf, turning altars of praise into idols of our achievement. We all have such a predictable pattern of shifting our worship away from God because as people, we love to feel important. We love to feel validated from the very beginning, Genesis, when the serpent deceived Adam and Eve into into leaving the good world that God had created. We are so good at worshiping created things over the creator. We long to leave a mark, but in the process we so often forget the mark we were made to make. Friends, you were designed You were designed before the foundations of the world to do amazing things. You were designed to reveal a very specific piece of God through how God made you, through who you are and whatever you do, through your work. This is why you are alive, to show the world what God is like in ways only you can, through what you do, but also through how you do it. The action and the intention. This is a life of worship. To lay your ambition. And again, being in L.A., the ambition is crazy. As the city of dreams. To lay your ambition, your energy, your output, your production, whatever you do. This is a life of worship. To lay it down on the altar before God as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 but not for him to burn up. It's not for God, we don't lay it down for God to destroy, but rather we we lay it down for God to pick up and to use for his glory, to build for his glory. And this is what's so absolutely incredible about God. God could take what we lay down and, and just consume it and throw it away. He could take it as a payment for our sin. But instead, God wants to use what you offer. God wants to use your worship to literally save the world. I want to say that again for everyone that's thinking, wait, 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 wait a second. Baptists don't talk like this. But this is what the Bible says. God wants to save the world through your worship. God wants to save the world through your daily deciding to lay everything down before him. Not the things you aren't, and not the things you don't have, not the things you wish you were. God doesn't need you to be anyone other than who you are. He just wants all of you committed to all of Him so He can get to work with your work, so He can make much of your life. God wants to use your passions to reveal His greatness. God wants to use your talents to reveal His glory. God wants to use your lessons learned and your failures that propelled you forward. God wants to repurpose your relationships and connections, your memories, your moments, your ideas, your hopes and dreams. God wants to use everything. There is nothing wasted for God. God wants to use everything. He wants to use whatever you lay down before him in worship to help draw near the lost so they might be found. God wants to use your life to help save the world because it's through you and whatever you do that God chooses to make himself known. It's through your life of worship. So bringing it back around, there's a lot of notes there. Bringing it back around, how can we begin to live this consecrated and committed life of worship with our work with what we do, How can we begin to see whatever we do, our, our nine-to-five, our retirement, our school week, um, our maternity leave? How can we begin to see whatever it is that we do as contributing to God's greater work of redemption in the world? How do we get there? Well let's go back to Colossians three one more time. Colossians 3:16 and 17. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Listen, if you want to step into this new practice of worship... If you want to to live a greater life of worship to God by laying everything you have, your work down on the altar for him to use, it starts with two things from Colossians chapter three. You need to receive and you need to repeat. Two sides to the same coin, receive and repeat. Can you say that with me real quick? Receive and repeat. It'll be on the screen. Gavin, you ready for me? It'll be on the screen, receive and repeat. One more time, receive and repeat. If you want to worship God with your entire life, it starts with receiving the message about Christ and allowing it, the message you received in all its richness, Colossians 3, to fill your life. You need to replace the message you receive from the world, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the message that you've allowed to shape your understanding of what you do and why and how, you need to replace that message, the LA SoCal dream, we need to replace that message with the message about Christ. Why, why does it matter? Because your input, what comes in, your input inspires your intentions. Your input inspires intentions. The message received in all its fullness, when we allow it to fill us, it creates focus. It creates intention for our actions. When we receive the message about God's good work in the world, when we receive that message and it fills us, our reason for whatever we do begins to change because the message has now become our motivation. Input inspires intentions, the message becomes our motivations. So receive the message about Christ. Receive the good news. You know they say it takes eight encouragements, it's probably more than this, eight encouragements to offset one criticism you receive. So as we think about this first practice, let this be the metric. For every message you receive from the world, begging for you to go your own way, trying to trick you into investing in your own idols. For every message that tries to convince you that you are your own God and you deserve whatever you want, you need to offset it with eight encouragements from the message about Christ. For everything you hear, multiply it by eight. But pastor, where in the world am I ever gonna find eight encouragements from Christ? Oh my goodness, pick up your Bibles instead of your phones unless your Bible is on your phone, then you get a pass, okay? (laughs) Listen to sermon podcasts instead of the news. And not not just here, but we've got all of them posted online. Receive from the Lord the message about Christ. Scroll the scriptures instead of social media. We must receive the good news of Jesus if we want to be a people that willingly lay down their lives on the altar before him. So receive the message about Christ and allow it to penetrate deep into your heart and your mind and your soul. That's first, we must receive. Now the second side of that same coin is if we're to receive the message about Christ, uh, if we need to receive the message from others, it's up to us then to repeat that message to one another. It's receive and repeat. We need to, Colossians 3, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. We need to remind each other what's true. That's why it's so important you're here. We need to remind each other what's true and real with all the wisdom he gives. You need to remind me about the message of Christ and I need to remind you about the message of Christ. We need to be a people that repeat the message we've received until it becomes the only voice we hear loud enough to block out all the competing noise from the world. It reminds me of, have you ever tried on any of those noise-canceling headphones? They're like, have you ever seen, yes, raise of hands if you've tried it, yes? Okay, like, eight of you, this is a perfect illustration. <laughs> um, but, do you know how they work? Let me tell you how they work. At first, I thought they basically were like earplugs that just blocked out any outside noise from reaching your ears. But how they actually work is they they have a little microphone to identify the outside noise. It identifies the outside noise and then it throws the exact inverse noise back out, creating a cancellation of any outside sound waves from hitting your ear. It doesn't plug your ears. Your ears are still open to receive. But it cancels out the sound waves from outside and that's what repeating the message about Christ is intended to do and why it's so important that we are a people that repeat. Because again, we are hit over and over with a competing vision for what matters in the world. The outside noise is coming at us 24 are, seven. We are hit over and over with a competing vision for morality and spirituality and worship. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden, they were created to commit their work to the Lord, but they were deceived by the outside noise they were deceived into believing that they had agency to build their own lives, their own castles by the noise of the devil. And so we so often are convinced of the same. We are so often convinced of the same, that, that our work should go to build our own futures, that we deserve it, that our work should go to pursue our own dreams, that our work should go to pursue our own deepest fantasies at whatever cost And you know what I'm talking about. We are all so easily deceived. We all fail, even, even me, as a professional Christian pastor. We are all so easily deceived. We all fail to lay our efforts and our intentions and our work down on the altar for God to use. We all, from time to time, we hear the loudest voice instead of that still, soft voice. And it leads us into making things all about us which is again why it's so important that we receive the message that we receive and we repeat that we receive and we repeat that we receive and we repeat the noise canceling message about Christ because what gets repeated gets remembered what gets repeated gets remembered and this is it the the greatest priority for any life of worship, if we're to remain faithful, is just to remember. It's to remember who we are and whose we are. It's to remember, it's to receive and to repeat that we we remember that we were bought at a price. It's in receive and repeat that we remember that our life is not our own. It's in receive and repeat that, that we remember that all we have is God's anyway, the breath in our lungs. The stuff in our houses, the days of our story, and even the possibilities of our future. It's in the, the, the receive and the repeat that we remember everything belongs to God. But it's also in the receive and the repeat that, that we remember that Jesus, that God calls us friend. That that God calls us family, that he believes in us. It's in the receive and in the repeat that we remember that God wants to use us in absolutely mind-blowing ways. It's in the receive and the repeat that we remember that God wants to use us to expand his kingdom society in the world, to work alongside him in ways only we can, to go just like Adam and Eve, to bring order and peace to a world at war in the wilderness. This is what we must remember and receive and repeat if we want to live a life of worship. We must remember, receive, repeat. Remember, receive, repeat that we belong to a brave new world of faith. That we do not belong to this world anymore. For all who believe, we are now citizens of heaven and we are ripe with opportunity to go and show the world what God is like. So let us Ah, friends, let us be a people that truly worship God with our work. Let us be a church that receives, repeats, and remembers the message about Christ in all its richness. And then allows it to inspire the actions and the intentions for all we do. Let us be a church that chooses to see whatever you do because we all do something. Let us be a church that remembers, that chooses to see whatever you do as an opportunity to partner with God, to partner with what God is already doing to bring his kingdom to the world. And finally, let us be a church of glory. Let us be a church of glory that chooses to consecrate every action and intention so God might be seen and known and experienced through our lives. This is the way and the practice of Jesus, a life of worship. Let us follow him. Amen? Amen. We're wrapping up. It's a band. If you want to come up, they're going to lead us in a closing song. But before they do, I'd like for you to think and really just consider one one thing. As we are moving onward, forgetting the past and looking forward to where Jesus is leading, I want you to consider how might you choose to worship God through whatever you do? I know some of you are probably thinking, man, I I frame houses. How is that going to be worship to God? Man, I teach German at a public school. How, is that? how can I worship God through teaching German? I make coffee. I, I do HR. I do bookkeeping. I'm still figuring out whatever I do. I wake up late and I go to bed late. Okay. So how might you choose to worship God through what you do? How can you at work, at home, at school, playing softball, Coaching soccer, practicing guitar, studying the stars, writing a screenplay, or serving on the worship team, or whatever you do, because we all do something, how can you begin to show the world who God is through whatever you do? That's the first question, because this is Romans 12. This is how we truly worship Him. So, how might you reveal not your own gifts, not your own dreams? not your own talents or skills, but instead, how can you reveal God working through your gifts? How can you reveal God working through your skills and your passions and your talents? That's what I want you to consider and remember as you leave today. I want you to remember that your work matters to God, that whatever you do matters to God. Every minute of every day is an opportunity for you to show the world who your savior is. Your work matters to God, the investment and the output but also the intention matter to God and he wants to use it to save the world. Wrap your head around it. God wants all to know him and believe and be saved and he wants to use your life to make the introduction. God wants to save the world through your worship. So what do you need to say today to lay down on the altar before him, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. What do you need to lay down on the altar before God today to be able to say, take my life and let it be, let it be. An offering to you, let it be. That is the question. What work do you need to lay down before God today to truly worship him? I want to pray for you before we go. I know it's a little long. I'm sorry about that, but Uh, I want to pray for you before we go that you would have the courage to receive the message about Christ today, to repeat and remember who you really are, for you are God's masterpiece. You might not feel like it, but you are God's masterpiece, and he has created you anew in Christ Jesus so you can do good things, so you can do good work that he planned for you long ago. So let us lay it all down on the altar today. Pray with me. Jesus, we are so grateful for your investment. We're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you care. We ask now that you would just open our eyes to all that we need to lay down before you today. We know that there is so much that we hold back. We know there is so much that we, that we sacrifice to other Um, competing visions and idols in this world, God. But now we are here and we we are ready to lay down our lives, whatever we do before you today. To say, take my life, God, and let it be an offering in all I do, whatever I do and how I do it. God, use me. Use my life for your glory. God, I'm so grateful that you love us. I'm so grateful that you believe in us and that even before the foundations of the world, you identified us and called us friend so we might go and make much of your name with our life. So Jesus, take my life and let it be an offering to you. Let it be. And we all said, amen.